God loves to show himself strong in the lives of people. He has always done so through those who will give themselves fully and completely to him. Before giving the Ten Commandments, Moses commanded the people to consecrate themselves. Standing on the edge of the Jordan River, Joshua told the people to consecrate themselves fully to God, for he would do wonders among them. Jesus calls us to love him, not with part, but with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and all our strength. Nothing held back, nothing separated, not 10%, not 90%, 100%. All for his use, all for his name, all for his will, and all for his glory. To those who do, he will show himself strong with unmistakable, worship already. I'm excited for what God's going to do, already is doing in our midst today. So having five kids, I tried to always keep up with whatever the uh, lingo was of the day, and that can be tough. I mean, you know, back in the 80s, I, I, I knew a lot of the terms that were cool in the day, like tubular, although I didn't use it a lot myself. I understood in the 90s when things were rad, even though I didn't say that a lot. Uh, in the 2000s, when my kids were saying things like, that is on fleek. I was like, I don't even know what that means. I didn't say it, but I heard them, and I kind of figured out what that meant. So I like to think I keep up with stuff like that. And I look at what's happening even today, and I try to think, okay, I want to keep up with this. But as usual, a lot of modern sayings I don't understand. Maybe it's me, maybe it's just my generation. Hello, yep. So there's a phrase that's used today and even an emoji that goes with it that uses the little 100, like it was a 100 on your spelling test or something, you know, that you got. It looks like that as an emoji. And people say that and they say it in a, in a sentence sometimes and it is awkward wording to me. It's just like when someone says, hey, I'm just keeping it 100. Are you going to finish the sentence or what? I don't, I don't even know what you're talking about. What is it and what is keeping it 100 what? 100 degrees? 100, I don't know. What are you doing? Or someone says, no, I'm just, I'm just doing 100. You're doing 100 what? You're doing 100 push-ups? You're doing, what are, you, what are you doing? And what does 100 of them have to do with it? So a little bit of research, a little bit of looking into context, you understand that it's not an incomplete sentence, although it sounds like one. It is actually a statement that says, I am absolutely in agreement, or it is perfect, it is 100. I 100% agree would be the complete sentence version of it. They say, or if I say, um, hey, I'm just going to be 100 with you, it means I'm being honest or I'm being authentic. I'm being above board. I'm all, I'm all here with you. I'm not holding anything back. There's not anything fake in this, in this moment. I'm just going to be 100 with you. Does anybody in the room use 100 like that? Anybody? Okay. All right, cool. Some. There you go. A new way you can learn to communicate now. There you go. Let's try that. So, 
I get it though, you know, if someone says, hey, I'm just gonna be 100 with you. I, okay, I want that. I want someone to be honest with you. I don't like someone coming up and be pretentious. Now, that happens with me being a pastor sometimes. People think they have to act differently around me because I'm gonna tell on them or something to God, I don't know. So, but I get it. But this idea of being 100, being honest, being above board, being sincere, being totally above board in all things, that's really how we ought to live all the time. If someone says, no, I'm just gonna be with, I'm gonna be with, I'm gonna be 100 with you right now. I think, well, what have you been all this other time with me? What's been going on here? I want you to always be what, what's real, what's genuine. And this is what God desires from us, that we are 100. He's not looking for us to be, um, you know, some number today on a Sunday in a worship service and then be some other number later on. You know, like, well, I come to church and I'm 100, but out there or whatever, I'm really 100. That's usually what people say. I think, that's just sad. It's sad that in the church environment around other Christians, people feel like they have to put on, they have to pretend, they have to cover, they can't be honest. What God desires is for us to come and bring him our all so that he can bless us and give us his all because that's what it takes. He has all blessings in heaven for us and he desires for us to know and experience all that he is. But in order for that to happen, you and I gotta come 100 on the deal all the time. You can't come 50 on the deal, 90 on the deal, 12 on the deal and expect him to work in your life. Now, sadly, this is how religion often works. Religion says, okay, I'm gonna come bring a little and maybe God will bless the rest. I'm gonna come bring my 10 and maybe he'll bless the 90. Maybe he'll bless the 100. That's religion. Religion says, go to church, attempt to pay off God. Give him a little token of your week, token of your time, token of your attention, token of your money, and he will bless the rest. That's just not how it works at all, I'm here to say. Religion may say that, but faith says, take up your cross and follow me. Faith says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. This is where the blessing is. And if we're gonna be a people who know the fullness of Jesus, the fullness of the Holy Spirit, the fullness of what the Father has for us, then we have to be a people who are always 100. Hello? So today, our message is called 100 before 10 because God's not looking for you to give your 10 so you can be blessed. He's looking for you to give your 100 so you can receive all that he has. Amen? So it works. So uh, turn your Bible today to Deuteronomy 28. We're going to look at a lot of passages of Scripture today. Let me do this first, though. Uh, let me show you the, uh, the Bible reading for this week. So this is on our app, but if you want to take a screenshot of this, you can use your camera if you want. Um, here are some daily Bible reading to go along with the message today. We did this last week. It's on our app. It'll be on our social media. If you want to follow along and keep up with where we're headed, take a picture of this and a question at the bottom of the screen you can ask uh, for each day as you're reading the scripture. And they go along um, as a daily path to tie in with our message today. So 100 before 10, Deuteronomy 28, 
That's where we start today. We're going to do a little bit of, of Bible turning today. So get your notes ready, get your Bible ready, use your app, whatever it is you've got. We're going to start Deuteronomy 28 because in Deuteronomy 28, God makes a promise to his people. These were his people. You know that God chose Abram out of all the people on the earth and said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you a father of nations. You'll be the father of a nation, Israel. And I'm going to bless you and make your name great, and you will be a blessing to all other people. So God chose Abram because he wanted to, because he could, not because Abram was special, popular, rich, wealthy, educated, or anything, just because he wanted to. And he made a nation from him. He chose Israel to be the nation on the planet that would show all other nations what it looks like to be known by God and to know God, to walk in his ways. God could have chosen any other nation at any other time, but he chose them by his sovereign will. He had a purpose in that. And when he did, he gave them a way to live. He said, now, if you will walk in my ways, I will bless you. In fact, Deuteronomy 28 gives them their blessings that will happen if they will walk in his ways. I want to read part of Deuteronomy 28. It's going to be a setup for us today that will help us understand more of Scripture. So in Deuteronomy 28, it says, Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to carefully to observe carefully all, all his commandments. Not part, not a few, not one, not some days of the week, all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. He said, if you do what I ask, I will exalt you, I'll bless you. In fact, blessings will come chasing you down and they will overtake you. They'll be that powerful and good to you. Verse three, blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in. Blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face, and they shall come out against you one way and shall flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and in all you set to which you set your hand. And he will bless you in the land which, you are, which the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, just as he has sworn to you, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. Then all peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord and shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will grant you plenty of goods in the fruit of your body, in the increase of your livestock, and in the produce of the ground, in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens, to give the rain in the land in the season, to bless all the work of your hand. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail, 
You shall be above only and not be beneath if you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and are careful to observe them, so that you shall not turn aside from any of the words which I command you this day, to the right or to the left, to go after other gods to serve them. This was the promise that God gave to his people. If you will walk in all of my ways, if you will allow me to be Lord of all of your life, I will command blessings to just chase you down. I'll open up heaven and they'll fall into your life. You will be a people who will be the icon on earth of what it looks like to know God and to be known by him. That's powerful blessings, amen? You think, wow, that'd be awesome to be those people. Guess what? In Jesus Christ, we are those people and more. We are called to that. We have the fulfillment of all the law in Jesus Christ, and he chooses you and me, now the church in this day, to be all of that, to be the group on planet Earth, the church that shows the rest of the world, here is what it looks like to walk in God's ways. Here is what it looks like to be known by God, to know God, and to fully keep his commandments. And you think, well, what in the world happened? Because that is not what's happening today. Hello? That is not the condition on the planet today. The church is the byword of the day. The church is what scoffed and mocked in the day. And many people who are within the church say, that has not been my experience. People have been burned in church. People have been hurt in church. People have been scarred by things in church. And the church has not been what it could have been. But you and I are called to that kind of life in Jesus Christ. And just because it hasn't been doesn't mean that it can't be because it is what we are called to be in Jesus Christ, a people who are blessed. And the one requirement, walk in all of his ways. Amen? Now, this is what's lined out for us in Deuteronomy 28. God says, I'm going to bless you. I'll protect you. I will be the one who provides for you. I'll open heaven for you. I'll miraculously provide for you. This was to be the way of life. And this is actually the way of life you and I are called to, even in the New Testament. We are called to a life and invited to a life where the miraculous is just the regular for us, where prayers are answered, strongholds are broken, peace comes, victory happens, sin is overcome, joy comes to our life, where we conquer sin, we break generational patterns, we advance the kingdom, people are saved, the church grows, we influence others, and the church is held up as a light to the world, as the people who know how to bring reconciliation, as the people who are the ambassadors for God on the planet today. This is what you and I are called to. This is who we are supposed to be. First Peter, New Testament, says we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people to proclaim the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. This is who we are called to be. We are called to live a life where the miraculous is the reality for us, 
where stuff happens all the time and we're just constantly in awe, where the things that we face, we find answers to. Now, it doesn't mean we're not going to face struggle, opposition, challenge, setbacks, but it does mean that when those happen, the enemy may come against us one way, but he'll flee seven ways. There might be a river put in front of us, but, the, but our God will make a way through that river. There might be struggles that come our way, but he will be the one who walks us through that struggle. He will lead us through the valley of the shadow of death, and he will be our light. He will be our salvation. He will provide. He will answer prayers. He will be our great shepherd. This is the life we're called to. Amen? You might think, well, again, what in the world happened? How did we get to this place? How did we get to where that's not necessarily our reality? Now, I will say, I'm experiencing, we are experiencing that here at Vertical in this world today. We are seeing God answer prayers. We are seeing God restore what's been broken. We are seeing healing happen. We're seeing relationships reconciled. I hope you know some of those stories. I get to talk to folks all the time here at Vertical who have those stories. We've seen them right here as people have been baptized, as people have shared their testimony, as we've seen real life transformation happen. These are designed to be the reality for us. We are called to walk in that. And throughout scripture, there were people of faith who chose that way. They said, we will make the Lord our God Lord over the all of our lives. So we have the stories of people like Noah, Moses, Abram, Sarah. We have all of their stories recorded in Scripture for us because they chose to say, I will yield every part of my life to seek the Lord my God. I will walk in his ways 100. I will do whatever he says. Nothing held back nothing in reserve, nothing kept secret, nothing out of bounds, nothing left in the closet, but everything exposed open to him that he might be Lord of my all. Amen? This is what he called us to. And so God told his people in Deuteronomy 28, if you will do this, I will pour out blessings. But Deuteronomy 28 doesn't end where I stopped. Deuteronomy 28 continues, and God says, now, let me tell you the rest of the story. Because I want to bless you. I have all power to bless you. And when your hands are open to me in full surrender, I'll pour out blessings. The heavens will open. Spiritual protection will be yours. I will chase off your enemies. I will give to you so richly, so profoundly, you'll be amazed. But, verse 15, God says this, but it shall come to pass if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today, that all of these Curses will come upon you and overtake you. Curses? God cursing? God cursing his own people? God is so 
passionate for us to know his blessings that he will only give them as long as our hands are stretched out to him in dependence, dependence on him. But the moment you close your hands and close your heart, the moment you say, I will do this on my own, the moment you say this much but not this much, this much but not this much, the moment you stop saying all, then God says, I'm going to close off the heavens. I'm going to pull back my protection so that you live under the curse that the planet is already under. Do you understand me? God says, I'm going to withdraw my hand of protection so that it might bring you back to the place of this and not this. Amen? You with me? And so God says in the rest of Deuteronomy 28, I'm not going to read the whole chapter because it's longer than the first 14 verses. He describes in detail specific consequences or curses that will come when his people, his own people, not others, us, when we don't walk in all obedience. I'm going to drop down and just read some of these because it's lengthy. I'm going to start in verse 25. The Lord will cause you to be defeated before your enemies. You shall go out one way against them and flee seven ways before them. And you shall become troublesome to all the kingdoms of the earth. Your carcasses shall be food for all the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, and no one shall frighten them away. The Lord will strike you with the boils of Egypt, with tumors, with the scab, with the itch from which you cannot be healed. The Lord will strike you with madness and blindness and confusion of heart, and you shall grope at noonday as a blind man gropes in darkness. You shall not prosper in your ways. You shall be only oppressed and plundered continually, and no one shall save you. Now, these are some alarming words that God would say, I am looking for a people who will live for me with their all and allow me to be Lord over all. But the minute you start closing your hand, the minute you start closing off, the minute you start isolating, the minute you start having areas that you won't allow me to be Lord, then I'm going to remove my protective hand. I'm going to remove my blessings that could fall on you, and you will begin to experience life on the earth that is cursed, and trouble will begin to come your way. And I think that's what we're seeing in our day. We're seeing, even among our own nation, and it's a principle that God has established across the world, but it happens, we know it because of our own nation. We're seeing trouble come our way. We're seeing disease come our way. We're seeing those without our own nation come into our nation and bring trouble because this is a fulfillment of what God said would happen when a people stop making him Lord of the all. It goes on in verse 30. It says, you shall betroth a wife, but another man shall lie with her. You shall build a house, 
but you will not dwell in it. You shall plant a vineyard, but not gather its grapes. He just goes on and on with very specific consequences. Now I'm going to drop down to verse 47. And this chapter goes on with 68 verses. I'm not reading all of those. Part of your daily Bible reading this week takes you through that. Verse 47, because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart for the abundance of everything, therefore you shall serve your enemies whom the Lord will send against you in hunger, in thirst, in nakedness, and in need of everything. And he will put a yoke of iron on your neck until he has destroyed you. The Lord will bring a nation from uh, or a nation against you from afar, from the end of the earth, as swift as the eagle flies, a nation whose language you will not understand, a nation of fierce countenance which does not respect the elderly, no show favor to the young. Anybody recognize what just feels like we're reading modern day headlines all of a sudden? And they shall eat the increase of your livestock and the produce of your land until you are destroyed. You, they shall not leave you grain or new wine or oil or the increase of your cattle or the offspring of your flocks until they have destroyed you. These are just some of the consequences that come when we do not allow him to be Lord of our all. When we choose the areas that we let him in. When we make church a piece that we add to our week, when we make faith a little add-on to what's left over in the week, God says, that's not what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for religion. I'm looking for those whose heart is fully open to receive all that I have into all of their lives. This is where the blessing is. The minute you close off, then God stops the blessing. We were intended to live free, blessed, protected. But God says the moment that you close off, then you begin to open yourself to spiritual attack. You begin to open yourself to be vulnerable to strongholds. You begin to be in a place where the protective power even of angels is pulled back and principalities and powers begin to have their way. The blessings stop falling from heaven. You become the tail and not the head as we were designed to be. We face loss, become ineffective, become unfruitful, and we face struggles that we were not intended to face. What an alarming and humbling call for God's people. It was the way they were supposed to recognize, wait a minute, something is wrong here. Life has challenges, but the, when the challenges are overwhelming to this degree, it may be an indicator that our heart has shifted away from God. Now, God gave his people a very clear way to keep themselves in the all-in moment, to keep themselves where he is Lord of all. He gave them a very tangible way that actually began in the garden and is walked all the way through the Old Testament and the New Testament. And that practice, that very tangible way that says, God, 
you are Lord of all. That tangible way was for each person and family to be able to give the first fruits of all that they had to the Lord. It was a way of saying, God, because you are Lord over all, we will give you the first of our all. And this pattern is all throughout the Old Testament. In fact, it is even seen in the story of Cain and Abel, two brothers. The Bible says that Abel brought from the firstborn of his flock. So Abel has sheep, and when the first is born, he brings it to the Lord. Now, not only is he bringing what becomes a picture of Jesus, but he is bringing the first of what he has. It's a way of saying, God, you own everything. You are worthy of it all. I give you the first of what I have. Now, it says about Cain, it doesn't say that he brought the first of his uh, crops. It says, in the passing of time, Cain brought some of his crops to the Lord. Very interesting. Abel brought the first fruits. Cain, in passing of time, brought something also. Abel brought the first fruits. Cain brought what was left over. And we know that the Lord accepted Abel's sacrifice and rejected Cain's because God is interested in those whose heart is fully surrendered and who will demonstrate it by giving the first fruits of their all, not the leftovers, but the first. We also see this as we move over into the book of Exodus. You see this in Exodus chapter 34. <clears throat> God says to the people, the first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring to the house of the Lord your God. So as God is establishing the tabernacle as the place where worship and sacrifice occurs, he says, all right, I want you to bring the first of your first fruits. Whenever you've grown crops and the first fruit begins to show, I want you to bring the first of the first fruits. He didn't say, bring something to impress me. He didn't say, look for the biggest and the brightest and the most beautiful. He said, bring me the first of the first fruits. Because when you brought the first, it was a way of saying, God, you have blessed us. You're the one who's given it. And so because you've given it all to us, I bring you the first of it. It was a picture. It was a way of saying, it all belongs to you. So I give you the first of it. It was a way of prioritizing. It was a way of saying it all belonged to God. We also see this in Exodus 13 when God says, Consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and beast, it is mine. He says, Even when you have children, the first of your children is to be dedicated, set apart, to be used by God. The first, not the best, the brightest, the shiniest, but the first. It is a way of saying, God, you are worthy of it all. Nothing that I have, 
I have without your hand providing. So I bring you the first. Now, we also know from Exodus 13, it was a way of saying, the children of Israel saying, God, you saved us when the death angel passed over and took the firstborn of Egypt. And so we will from now on give our firstborn to you because you have redeemed us and saved us. Amen? Are you with me here this morning? Firstborn, the first fruit are what proved ownership. So a couple of big points this morning. We prove he has the all by giving the first. The first part of every part of our life is for him, is for his glory. This is where the power is. The 100 must come before the 10. And this is true about every part of our life. So it's true for the first fruits of every part of our lives. For example, uh, you have time, and the first part of your time should be given to the Lord. The first part of your day, the first part of your week, you know that's why we gather here on Sunday, right? It just didn't happen to be a convenient day off for everybody. This is the first day of the week. We are giving the Lord the first day of the week, the first part of the day. We're to give him the first part of our energies, the first part of our talent, the first parts of our heart, the first parts of our possession, the first parts of our ability, the first parts of our relationships, the first parts of our increase, the first parts of our money, the first parts of our thoughts. If you're going to think some thoughts, let the first thoughts you think be those of God, not the last thoughts. If you're going to have some emotions and feeling, let God drive the first thoughts and feelings that you have, not the latter part. If you're going to have a purpose and a drive and a will in your life to accomplish some things, let him have the first part because this is what it means to honor the Lord with all things. Amen. It was the pattern. It was what God established. So husbands and wives, if we want to demonstrate that in our marriages, then we give him the first parts of who we are. We give them the first parts of our communication. If we're going to say anything, we're going to say something that honors the Lord first. Don't let God be an afterthought in your home, in your conversation, in your marriage. It should be the first words. It should be the first thoughts. It should be the first drive. It should be the first motivation. It should be the first thing that you do. It should be the first part about the depth of your relationship, the intimacy that you share. It should be the first part that God sets the tone for that in our marriage. Amen? If we're going to raise our children in God's ways, then he gets the first part. He gets to determine and we yield to him the first part so that everything that we do in teaching them, speaking to them, relating to them, raising them up, training them, disciplining them, all of that, God, what do you want to do first? You get to decide. They have come from you. For God's people, this is what we do. This is our pattern. This is our rhythm that we walk in. This is our routine. And if we're going to walk and have God pour out his blessings, then we have to live with him, Lord, of the all. Amen? I'm afraid, though, that modern religion has dumbed down even Christianity to the point that we give him the last and the leftover of our time, our talent, our strength, our energy, our possessions, our abilities, our money, all that. We say, well... We'll see what I've got left over. If I've got enough energy left over, if I've got enough time left over, if I've got enough money left over, if I've got enough ability left over, 
and you wonder, why is my life in chaos? Because God is looking for those to bless who will give him the all and demonstrate it by giving the first part. That's his purpose. That's his plan. You prove you are 100 by giving him the first 10. That's the way it works. Jesus said the same thing. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. This is the the pattern you and I are called to live in. All is his. The first part uniquely belongs to him and then he directs our path. He drives the way. So we aren't the first generation who has struggled with not giving him the all. We're not the first who have drifted off into religious thought that says, I'll give him a little if I've got a little bit left over. We're not the first ones. It happened, it's happened in our history as a nation. It happened in the history of Israel as well. In fact, the last book in the Old Testament, God spoke through a prophet named Malachi who told the people, you don't even realize it, but you have slipped into this condition where he is not your all. You're playing religious games, you're keeping him compartmentalized, and you're not allowing him to be Lord of the all. So I want us to finish today with Malachi 3. And Malachi makes this shocking statement to the people there. He says, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, God speaking through him. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? You see, the people did not even realize that they were robbing God. They were taking from him. They were not being 100 with him. How have we robbed you? What have we done? We think we're doing okay. We think we've done right. What on earth could we have done that would be so offensive in your sight, God, that you would say, we have robbed you? And God says in return, in tithes and offerings. You have stopped giving the 100, and because of that, you've stopped giving the 10. Now, let me be clear with you this morning. I am not preaching this message because we are in need of more giving. Do you hear me? This is not about tithing as much as it is our hearts. Amen? If you've been here at Vertical any amount of time, you know that one of the very few subjects that I preach on ever is money. I hope you hear me today. I am not preaching about money. I'm preaching about a, a truth that God has established for his people, that if we're gonna be his people and we wanna see his blessing and we wanna see his protection, then we have to live with him as Lord of the all. And we demonstrate that by giving him the first parts of everything in our life. Not just money, because trust me, God is not interested in your 10% if your 100% is not in. He's just not. He doesn't even like worship that's 10%. The Bible says that God says to those who 
tried to play the religious worship game. God said, I really hate that. I hate your worship that comes from a less than 100. I want a 100 heart because a 100 heart, I can open the windows of heaven and pour it out to them and give it to them and they'll say, thank you, God, and not, ooh, look what I did. 100 before the 10. But in Malachi 3, God says, you've actually put yourself in a bad place because you stop giving the 100 and you stop giving the 10 of all that you are. And he goes on, he says, as a result, you are cursed with a curse. There it is again. Malachi is just repeating what Deuteronomy had described. Because you're withholding and not giving your 100, then God says, I'm going to close off the heavens and you will operate under the curse of planet Earth. For you have robbed me, even this whole nation. You are going to now live exposed to spiritual attack. You're going to now live without the fullness of knowing blessing falling in your life. You're going to live now under defeat. You're going to live now under poverty. You're going to live now broken. You're going to live now in a, in a way that you will not see God working all the time in your life. And you'll wonder, where is he? And he will not have left you. You will have left him. Malachi 3 continues, and he says, here's what you should do. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. Prove your 100 by giving the first fruits. Prove that you're all in by giving him the first of all that you have. Prove you're all in by letting it belong to him. Prove that you're all in by putting his purposes first in every area of your life. And he says, and see, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Just try it. Live with me, 100. Live with me and give me the first fruits and watch if I don't start pouring out blessings that astound you, that amaze you, that, that others will look at and say, only God could do that. And it will happen not just in your finances, but in your marriage, in your child raising, in your business, in your possessions, in your mind, in your spirit, in your emotions, in your insight, in your ministry, in your relationships, in everything that you set your hand to, God will bless when our hands are open to him. That's the, pan, that's the pattern. That's the plan. And this is what you and I were intended to live in. This is what should be the norm for the church today. It shouldn't be that we hear that someone had an answer to prayer and we're like, oh, can you believe that? It ought to be that that's just like, yep, that's our God. That's what he does. That's what he does when people are surrendered to him. That's exactly how he operates. It ought to be that we see spiritual warfare happening and victory happen. The enemy come against us, which he will. And we send him out seven ways, and he has no more impact on us. Amen? It ought to be that we live in such a way that a trouble comes our way.
but we cry out to God in humility. We unite with one another in prayer and we pray bold and God brings a way through the wilderness in that moment. God parts the water. God causes the, the miraculous to happen. We shouldn't be living in the mundane. We shouldn't be looking for what the world is doing successful and try to emulate it. We ought to be looking to see what God says and live in it. And he blesses and he pours it all out and he begins to just confound us all the time because we're walking in his ways. He says, you just watch and see if I don't open heaven. You just watch and see if I don't just open up the heavens and your children be blessed and your wife be blessed and your husband be blessed and your marriage be blessed and your home be blessed and your family be blessed and your finances be blessed and your pursuits be blessed and your career be blessed and your ministry be blessed. You just watch and see. I'm looking for the one who will say, God, you have it all and he will open the windows of heaven for that one. He'll do it for that one He'll do it for that couple. He'll do it for that family. He'll do it for that church. He will use them to change the world and raise them up as he intended Israel to be, to be a light into the world. Malachi goes on and he says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes and he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. God says, I will, I'll be the one that brings some spiritual victory here. I'll be the one that shuts him down. I'll rebuke destruction. I'll rebuke conflict. I'll rebuke sin patterns. I'll rebuke generational curses. I'll rebuke disease. I'll rebuke rust. I'll rebuke loss of finances. I'll rebuke all of that and I will raise you up and protect you. I'll protect my people, those families, those marriages, and that church. I'll protect them from evil because he will be the Lord of all. Amen? I'll finish up with this. God said, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts, and all nations will call you blessed. For you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. You see, he's just repeating Deuteronomy 28. And he's repeating what Jesus said. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. I know you want to be a blessed person. I know you want your marriage to be blessed. I know you want your home to be blessed. And I know I want our church to be blessed. We all do. Amen? Let's commit to be a people who are 100 before ever given 10. Amen? That we're all in. We're all in, God. Every part of my life is yours. Every part. Nothing held back. It is all yours. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Father, I thank you that you've called us to more than we even understand. I thank you that there's blessings in heaven greater than we can even comprehend. I thank you that you love to give those to your people and you desire to open heaven right now for those who will make you Lord of the all. So God, as a church, we stopped to do that this morning. I ask you to pour out your blessings because we are willing to do what you've called us to do. Nothing held back, nothing in reserve and showing it by giving you the first of all that we have 
and all that we are. I pray that blessing on every family. I pray that blessing on every marriage here. I pray that blessing on every person here that where there has been lack and need and confusion and conflict, I pray for healing and blessing and your authority to rule in those places, that there might be a fresh wave of your spirit work here even in our church because you are the Lord of the all. And we pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.